Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 to 24. I'll read it, then we'll pray and we'll get into the message. If you follow along, the Bible says in verse 22, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for today. I thank you, Lord, for the services we've had, Lord, for the preaching in the morning, the Sunday school, and, Lord, the youth activity, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, for the singing of the hymns, Lord. Uh, we thank you that we can come before you, Lord, though we are unworthy and undeserving. Lord, pray, preach through me now, Lord, uh, your word, and, Lord, that your word be spoken, Lord, not, uh, not my word and, Lord, not my opinion about your word, but, Lord, your word preached. We pray, Lord, help and encourage, Lord, the people that are here, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so just uh, the light, verse 22, the light of the body is the eye. And light, when we have light, we can see and it will guide us. Um, and it's how, when we have light, um, we can see to make our decisions. Um, and when we, like our pastor was talking just then about um, Brother James, he was he's saying, you know, this is, um, you know, this is how you enter into the contract for rent leasing a building. He's giving him light. He's giving him understanding of how to do it, and that's you know, it's guiding his decision. Um, and the Bible is to be our light, but the Bible talks about the reins of the heart if we go to Psalms chapter 7 verse 9. Psalms 7 verse 9. Oh, let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, but, the, but establish the just, for the, for the righteous God trieth the reins, the hearts and the reins. If we go to Jeremiah 17 verse 8 and 8 through 10. Jeremiah 17, verse 8. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green and shall not, and sh- and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither cease from yielding fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? Verse 10 says, I, the Lord, search the hearts. I try the reins even even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doing. If we go to Revelation chapter 2, verse 18 through 23. Uh, And unto the angel of the church of Thyreta, write these things, saith the Son of God, who hath eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works and thy charity and service and faith, and thy patience, and thy works, and the last to be more than the first, notwithstanding I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants, to commit fornication, to eat uh, things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, but she repented not. Uh, Behold, I will cast her 
her into her bed and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and the hearts. And I will give unto every one of you according to your works. Um, pastor is preaching, if you're here this morning, on the beamer seat of Christ, the judgment seat, about the rewards um, that we have in eternity. And the reigns, it's, it's judgment is based on what you do, and what you do is based on what's in your heart and what's controlling your heart. Well, the reins, and I've only, believe it or not, only rode, ridden horses once or twice, um, but the reins are what steers the horse. They, you know, you hold the ends of the reins and they're attached to the, uh, the bridle of the horse. You want the horse to go left, you pull and guide it left. You want it to go right and you guide it to the right with the reins. The reins of your heart is what, what guides your decision making. Mm. What is it that makes you come to church or not come to church? Mm. What, what makes that decision? What steers you towards the things of God or what steers you away from the things of God? That's the Bible talks, the reins of the heart. If we go to Sam, uh, 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, nor the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh, upon the out, uh, looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. If we go to uh, Hebrews fourteen twelve. Um trying to get through this because I have a habit of being late. <laughs> sorry, for, uh, he, sorry, Hebrews 12, verse 4. four. Let's get this right. Hebrews 4, verse 12. The word of the Lord is quick and powerful. For the Lord of the word, the word of the God is quick and powerful and sharper than, two, any, than any two-edged sword, piercing Amen. even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrows, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Uh, if you follow what Christ said, uh, if we go, oh, we'll come to that in a minute. First uh, John thirteen, First uh, John verse five. I need to stop. <laughs> no, no, chapter three. I'm trying to go too fast. <laughs> That's my problem. I'm trying to get done before we run out of time. First uh, John, chapter three, verse fifteen. Let's try to slow it down a little bit. <laughs> Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, we know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. The judgment there is based on, hatred is an emotion, hatred is in your heart, it's based on what's in your heart. It's God said you don't even have to kill someone to be a murderer, you just think, you just wish them to be dead, um, or you wish that they didn't exist, that is murder. In God's eyes. In, in the court of God, you're already guilty of murder and you haven't even touched the person. You haven't spoken to them, you just looked at them. Um, and God's standard of judgment is what goes through your heart, what is controlling you. He tries the reins, uh, the thoughts and intents of the hearts. Um, if we go to Matthew chapter 6 again, and we'll look at verse 22, it says, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. And this is a principle that doesn't just apply to the church and to the things of God. If you want to successfully run a business, you can't run, try and run four businesses at one time. If, you, know, you can establish one and put it under a manager and then let the manager run it and you start another one. But you can't 
do two things at once. Uh, you'll come, you know, multitasking. You're doing two jobs less efficiently. <laughs> Amen. Come on. <laughs> it's true. Um, but um, if we, the light that's in us, what is the light that's in us? Is it the Word of God? You know, as Christians, we understand, you know, that it should be the Word of God. But what is it? What is it really? What guides our decisions? Uh, I met a, I was on Queen Street, I met a fella, and he's, from what he says, he believes in Christ. But he has a problem with the idea of church, because he's been to all the different churches, and he says, well, the you know, churches uh, comes from, the word church itself has attachments to pagan churches. But... And he's, you know, and he's saying, and there was a, he quoted the Tyndale version of the Bible, which is a version previous to the King James version, and he didn't use the word church. So he says, well, you see, because of that church, you know, I, I don't need to go to church. We just, you know, him and his wife meet in the house. They say, you know, I have a home group, but uh, his home group consists of him and his wife. Um, but, you know, even, and I haven't really looked at the Tyndale version, and I'm not going to, but the principle, if it is a Bible... You know, if it if Tinder was translating the word of God, the concept of church would have been there, even if he didn't use the word. But when you read, you know, uh, Tyndale was martyred for translating the Bible. They actually killed him um, because he tried to translate the Bible. And his dying prayer was, "Open the, uh, O Lord, open the King of England's eyes to the need of the Word of God." His, he, his prayer was, "Lord, give us a Bible in English." And that was in the year 1536. In 1604, King James authorized... He, he, didn't, he authorized the translation. He gave permission for it to be translated. And that was the answer to his prayer. So this guy quoting Tyndale, why don't you quote, quote the book that Tyndale prayed for? Tyndale was looking for this, the complete word of God in English. Um, I didn't talk too much to him because I was just, I was stunned that you could conceive the idea that church is not godly. Um, <laughs> that idea is just so foreign. But um, the word church, the Bible, and if we go to first, um, you know, if the Bible was our light, then if we go to first uh, Timothy chapter 3 verse 15... First Timothy 3.15 But if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. Amen. The truth is in the, word, in, in the word of God, and the word of God says that there's a church of the living God. You know, uh, this fellow was saying, well, there's, there's, you know, the churches were, it's a pagan idea. Well, the pagans got the idea of worshipping God from way back when Noah was worshipping God. You know, it's theirs, theirs is the distorted version. There is a church of God. That's right. um, and the Bible is very clear about that. But because he has gone to another source, because his eye is not single, he's gone off in fairyland. <laughs> um, he's gone and he just doesn't, doesn't believe it. If you look at... Um, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 21. Ephesians 3, 21. says, Unto him 
be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. If you go to chapter 5, verse 23, Ephesians 5, 23, it says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of what? The church. The church. And he is the saviour of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be subject to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Christ gave himself for the church. So how can you say that God's not interested in the church? Yeah. By having a split eye. You know, he, he's, he's got, his eye is not single and therefore he's in darkness. He, he can't see the truth. Um, if you go to James chapter 1 verse 8. James chapter 1 verse 8. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And this is that man's problem. He, he has different sources of the truth. You can't have different sources of the truth. Yeah. Yeah. If it's the truth, then there is only one. Yeah. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And in First John it says that the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. So if, if you can change the word of God, then you can change Christ. And if you have a different Christ... That's, um, Paul talked about that in Galatians, about having another Christ, another spirit, another gospel. And so you can't actually, either you are worshipping God or you are worshipping a lie of your own imagination. Yeah, that's right. And you can't have it both ways. You can't carve a God out. God, you know, we talk about um, graven images. You know, Thou shalt not make unto thyself any graven images. If you carve in your mind an idea of God that is contrary to the word of God, it's idolatry. Because you, you have gone and said, well, I want this part of the Bible. I want this part of God. And, you know, everybody likes to say, well, God is love. Well, God is love. But, you know, if you, if you are just one emotion, you know, we are made in the image of God. In the image of God made he us. Male and female created he them. God, we have emotions. Why is it a surprise that, you know, and we're not always happy. We're not always one emotion. Why is it a surprise that God is more than just love? God says he's angry with the wicked. That's emotion. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. You know, Pastor Jono was preaching on, on this when we were down in Hamilton. There is more than one emotion that God has, and you can upset him and you can please him. You can make God happy and you can make him unhappy. Why is it then a surprise? You know, um, my sister, I, said, I was talking to, the, about, to my sister one time about the idea of God as a judge. And God being just. But if God is all loving and loves everybody, then God can't judge people for what they do wrong. Because his love, you know, my sister's concept of God was God loves you and God accepts you. But it's not what the Bible says. They have, she has a part of God. She has an idea of God that is contrary to the whole counsel of God. God... It, God it talks about his wrath being poured out in Revelation. You read all, you know, it talks about the vials of the wrath of God. It talks about the judgment, the trumpet's judgment and the seal judgments. God is no different than us, except in, in for having the emotions, except he understands when, where is too far. He knows that, you know, we, we have a tendency, we get upset and we, you know, some of us might tend to throw stuff around or shout and scream and yell. 
God knows where, you know, wrath and anger is to be checked. He knows when to stop and when to go, and when, you know, he knows how far is too far. And oftentimes we don't. Um, we go too far one way or too far the other way. Or we are lax in our response to things. Um, but if we look there again, um, we'll try to get back on track. James chapter 1, it says, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And this is that fella who was on Queen Street. He, you know, he has his different, um, different sources of the truth and he can't go anywhere. He says, you know, he's trying to, he believes in uh, a home group church, but he can't start one. It's just him and his wife. Um, because, and you can see in the scripture, he's unstable in all his ways. But if you look at the difference between that kind of a person and the early church, Acts uh, chapter 2, verse 46. Acts 2, 46. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, that eat their meat and with gladness and singleness of heart. Acts uh, 6. Verses 5 to 7. Uh, and saying, pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and of and Philip and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them, and the word of God increased. The number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and the great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. If you look there, when they, when in the uh, the preface to that passage, there is they had a division, the they had problems, strife in the church, and they decided, what are we going to do about this? And this is the answer. The apostle said, we're going to appoint seven men to this, and those are the seven men. And they all agreed in one, right, we're going to do this. And when they agreed in one, the word of God increased. Because there was unity in the church, but it wasn't, you know, they weren't unified around, well, let's go out and drink. You know, they were in, uh, if you go to Acts uh, 2.42, they were united around doctrine and around the prayers and... So it says there, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. It wasn't, you know, well, you know, we're going to go and do this or that and the other thing. It was, we're going to do what God says. That's what the apostles preached. They preached Christ from the Old Testament. If you read through the preaching, when, uh, whenever Paul and Peter stood up to preach, they took the Old Testament and showed the fulfillment of the prophecy and what had just happened. They didn't have the New Testament written down, but they said, uh, you know, you, you have taken Christ, whom God sent, and crucified him. And this is where it says it in the Old Testament. And this is where God already predicted what you were going to do is happen. God said it'll happen, and it happened exactly the way God said. And they preached from the Bible. They took the Word of God, and that's what... Um, there was unity around the Bible... Um, if we go back to if we go to Matthew chapter uh, five, verses fourteen through sixteen, it says, "Ye are the light of the world. The city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. 
Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Um, if we look there, the light, what light, if uh, it says your light um, is to shine before men. If, some, if a new person comes through the door, what do they see? Do they see the light of God? Do they see the good works uh, showing through? And good works, people can often tell when there's something amiss about our attitude. You know, it's not just about, well, I'm going to do good. It's, why are you doing good? Are you just rubbing up to me for um, privileges or what, what you can get out of me? Um, but as a church and as individuals, we are supposed to show the world what God looks like, what God's attitude and behavior is, the way God handles things. That's the idea, to show the light of God in this world. Um, and, that, and then not to say, well, look at me, but to say, you know, we're like this because of what God has done. Um, so when people look at the church, at our church or any other church, do they see light or do they see darkness? This fellow on Queen Street, one of his things about church was, he, you know, you go to any church. You know, what, a, what, a, what is a church nowadays? You know, anyone can call themselves a Christian and say we're a church. You know, you get rock concerts, basically, that say we're church. They turn the lights out, blue smoke rolling, and the spotlight on the stage, and a rock band in the background, and they call that church. And then the fellow says, well, see, the church is pagan. Well, that church is pagan. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you follow the word of God, you can find that there are actually churches that do try. You know, you can't be perfect. But you can be the next best thing. And that's the, you know, you, the goal is perfection and the result is the next best thing. Um, unfortunately, because of our flesh. But um, is there actually a difference between us and the world as individuals and us as a church and other churches. And you know, as a church, we do have a difference. Uh, there aren't many churches nowadays that sing hymns. I grew up in uh, the Anglican Church. We sometimes refer to it as the Anglican Lodge, um, <laughs> which isn't very polite. Um, but that's the reality of what, um, you know, they, they sang hymns. We grew up singing hymns. And, you know, I, I do the song leading a lot of the time. And I know a lot of the hymns because from six, seven, I sing hymns. And we would walk to church, uh, or some, you know, and then we'd walk home and we'd sing hymns through the main street of town. And I wasn't saved then, but that's what we did. And we didn't care, you know, walk past someone, you carry on singing, same volume. If anything, you make it a little bit louder. <laughs> um, but we'd sing the hymns. But the word wasn't preached. There's, you know, you can go somewhere and you can, you know, for us we have a difference. We sing the hymns. Most places don't. Some places do. But where preaches the Bible? Yeah. Amen. You go to a charismatic church or anywhere else, a charismatic, Pentecostal, what do they preach? Are they actually preaching the Bible? Or are they preaching a perversion of it? If, you know, I grew up, the preaching we had to listen to I have heard everything from a better translation to so-and-so's opinion. I think it was a 
the guy referenced there, John Stott's opinion, <coughs> to the fellow that Tim was mentioning uh, during our Sunday school activity, who was referencing a book called The Shack. Ooh. Yeah. Really? He was, yeah, he stood up and he said, now we all believe that God could be a woman. Yeah. Right there in front of the whole, well, I say the whole church, the whole church was 15 people, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no wonder. Um, we've often said that uh, it's a bit like um, when the ark departed from Israel and God, that, that man, the priest, uh, Eli's grandson, was named Ichabod. The glory of the Lord has departed. We often say, you know, that's what's on the doorpost of that church. And it's the sad, sad reality it is. You know, that fellow, he's, he's, he stood up and said that and meets him and mum all, you know, no, you can't, that's not it. You know, the Bible, God is the Father, God is the Son. You know, and this Holy Spirit is referred to when the Comforter has come, He will guide you into all truth. Amen. You can't, and so He gets up there and says that I went and talked to Him afterwards, and that's about the nicest uh, conversation I have had with somebody of completely opposite decision and position for me. And my niceness lasted about five minutes. <laughs> because, you know, I said, you know, we, we can both agree that God is, you know, God the Father is God the Father, God the Son is God the Son, they're masculine terms. He said, yeah, but the Spirit. And I thought, well, the Spirit is, you know, is, it says, it's a quote in the verse, when he, the comforter, is come, he will guide you into all truth. I said that to him, and he said, well, I've got a, I've done two theological degrees, and I, yeah, and I still haven't worked out if spirits are male or female. Well, I can't say about all spirits, but I know God, the Holy Ghost, is masculine, because it says he. And his problem, like, like the other fellow in Queen Street, He's left the source of truth. His eye is devised. The Bible talks about those who are ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You can study this thing and God and not know anything about God and not know God. Um, But we have the Bible, but does it decide? I need to shout louder. (laughs) Uh, We have the Bible, but do we. Is it the reins? Is it the reins? We talked. Um, we talked about at the start, and um, if we put up um, Jeremiah seventeen verses eight again, I think it was verses eight through ten. For he shall. Uh, we go down to verse verse nine. It says, "The hardest is, is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the hearts. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doing. Um, you know, if we are saying, you know, we have the Bible, we say we're Bible-believing Christians, but is this the reins? Is, does it steer us? Or, or is it our friend's opinion? Is it, um, you know, is it what we listen to and what we watch on the internet? Is that what guides us and influences us? Or is it the Bible? You know, if the, you, know you can say and pay lip service in a church like this and say, yeah, we believe the Bible. But let's see it. Show me. Show me that you believe the Bible. You know, in church, it's easy. You know, everyone comes to church and you can dress up fine. It's easy to come because there's human accountability. You can be seen. And you know, our brother, you know, brother Andre wasn't wearing his coat last week. What's wrong with the brother Andre? No. <laughs> He's on the front row, so I think on him. But, um, you know, it's not about, you know, who you are necessarily at church. But who are you at home? Yeah. Who are you in your bedroom when nobody else is there? 
That's who you really are. Not when you're putting on a show at church. Not when you're putting on a show at work and you're profound you know, um, at work. The ones who talk about how well they work and how hard they work are the laziest people on the planet. Yes. <laughs> they stand up there and say, I work harder than so-and-so. I'm the busiest person. They're the laziest person in the company. And if I was the boss, I'd fire them. <laughs> but, you know, you can say, you know, I'm busy. But are you? Show me. You know, you, uh, the, one of the particular guys that are thinking of, you know, you can't go there. Every time you show up, it's break time. It's coffee. You know, we're having smoko. Smoko lasts an hour. Yeah, you're the busiest follower in the, in the uh, company, but uh, show me. If you, if you are what you say you are, show me. Um, and that's what God's saying here. In ver, um, chapter, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on the hill cannot be hid, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a, but on a candlestick. And, and giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. We are to be seen. Not that we be seen, oh, well, I, have, I, have I looked right for the preacher? Have I looked right for brother so-and-so? Have I looked right so that so-and-so will look at me? But so that you show, so that for your testimony's sake, for the sake, for God's sake, really, because Amen. the way you behave will affect and influence people on how they view God. If you say you're a Christian and go around cussing, people will say, well, it's all right to cuss. If you go around and you lie about, say, your timesheet, well, it's okay to steal from your boss. It's okay, God, you're a Christian. You know, and it's not what saves you, but it affects the lost people. It's, you know, it shows, you know, um, it influences them on their opinion of God. Um, so, but like I was saying, you know, what are we like um, when there's no one else around? Um, I'll try and get to my notes. If we say that we're saved, there ought to be a difference in the way we live. If we we'll run through a few scriptures and try and not um, give them all the wrong references. First John chapter three. Verses 1 to 3. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And verse 3 says, And every man that has this hope, Purifieth himself, why? Even as he is pure. If we go to First John chapter uh, 2 verse 12. Try that, see if I've got it right. I write unto you children, little children, because your sins are forgiven you. So little Christian, you know, this is a newborn babe in Christ. You know, you've, your sins are forgiven you and you're little children. So as I write unto you fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. So a father is one who has brought other people to Christ. And I write unto you young men, so young Christian, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you little children, because you have known the father. I write unto you fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. 
You know, you have a, you're established in the way to, that you ought to go as a Christian, and you're leading people in that way of, to Christ. It says, I have written unto you, young men, verse 14 at the end of it, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. You go to chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. Chapter 5, verse 1 to 5. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is Christ, is born of God, and everyone that loveth him, loveth is born of God, and everyone that loveth him, that begat, loveth him that is begotten of him. By this we know that we are, that we love the children of God when we, sorry, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not what? It doesn't bother you to live godly. It doesn't bother you to follow what the Bible has to say. You know, that or, we'll get there in a minute. Um, it says, verse 4, that's where we're up to. Yeah. For whosoever is uh, sorry, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Amen. It's talking there, um, and there's you know there's other verses you can look at for that, but um try and keep moving for time's sake. Um, but if you're saved there ought to be a difference. Um, when I was lost, before I, before I got saved, I went to church and I said I was a Christian. You know, all, all my friends, we, we went to the Anglican church. I was called the Anglican <laughs> at, at college. I was, uh, you know, he's Matthew the Anglican. Uh, he goes to church. But there was no difference between me and them. In fact, oftentimes I was worse than them for behavioral patterns. Um, you know, I said I was saved. I went around and listened to rock and roll, country and western, um, you know, all the different genres. And if you look at those genres, what do they sing about? They sing about drinking, getting drunk, they sing about drugs, and they sing, and, and they sing about immorality. And we often use the word uh, womanizing. But the reality is the Bible calls that whoremongering. Um, that's what I listened to, and what I watched wasn't better. I watched, if it didn't have blood and guts and killing and violence and death in it, then I wasn't interested. You know, the more gore and the more blood and guts that could be in a film, the better. You know, and it was, they were full of profanity and modesty and violence, just senseless killing. And that's, that's what I was, and that's what I watched. And the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And so I was going around saying, I'm a Christian. But what was in my heart? All of this worldly trash and what came out? Exactly what went in. And so, you know, I said I was a Christian, but what was the reality? I wasn't saved. And, you know, they, their idea of, well, church, you know, you, you, my, if I was their Bible, the Bible talks about that we are the epistle of God written and engraven in the hearts. And people can see the way you behave and that's their determination a lot of the times on whether God is real or not. And unfortunately, for most of those people, they probably don't think God exists. Or if he is, he's just a joke. Because the way I lived. But, you know, and like I say, the worst of all of that I did was I called myself a Christian while doing all of that. You know, it wouldn't be, to me now, so bad if I had done all of that 
And I just said, well, I'm not actually a Christian. I only go to church because I have to. And if I could, I would run away. And that's where I got to by the time I was 17, 18. I was about ready to leave. Um, I was about ready to leave home. Because I was sick of living the way I wanted to live. And having to hide it all the time from my parents. Because, you know, if, I, if my parents knew what I was... I wouldn't have anything to watch it on. <laughs> you know, I go through, I watch whatever, and then you go carefully through the history and remove all of that, and then, well, you've been on your computer all day, so how, so how are you going to explain that? Well, you go on there and you click on this video, that's, you know, mum and, and dad will appreciate, approve of that video, and they'll approve of that video, and you go through and you falsify your history. Don't get any ideas. <laughs> and that's what I did to cover my tracks. I was living, um, like that fella... I was living in the two worlds. I had a foot in the world and a foot in the church and preferred to be in the world. Um, and I was sick of it. I was going to leave home and basically the only thing that kept me was God because I, I don't know why I didn't leave. I thought about it a couple of times. I could have gone and got a job and apprenticeship anywhere. Um, my sister at that time was already in Wangarei. You know, I could have gone to there and, you know, just said I'm going for work and mum and dad wouldn't have been any the wiser that you know I was just running away because I didn't want to live their standards um, I could you know leave um, and now I've left and kind of wish I had <laughs> there's, there's a long story on why I'm here um, that I don't have time to go into tonight but there was a night that it changed the night I got saved um, because of what I watched it became an addiction it was a vice, no different than alcohol. You know, people with their phones, I, and I, this is why I have the phone I have. This is Tim's phone by right, and I use it when I have to. This is my phone that I keep on me. And so if I miss your message on Messenger, that's why this doesn't do the internet. Because the reality is, even now my flesh can't handle this. Because of the hold it had on me, I can't... You leave me with this for... Oh, three hours by myself. True. You know, weeks worth of being a Christian and being, you know, what God wants me to do is gone, and it takes me three days to get that out of my system. I can't handle it, so I do my best to not be around it. You know, it talks about putting away of the filth of the flesh. And it's not that I'm special or that I'm someone super spiritual. It's what God has done in me. When I got saved, I was... Um, I listened to the preaching online because I had to listen to something on the internet. I had to have something. It became an addiction to where I couldn't sleep. And you, you might think that's strange, but there's it, no different than alcohol. It's just an escape from the reality of life. There's no different than someone who goes to the pub and drinks a whole bottle of beer or whiskey and gets blotto drunk so they forget. And that's, that's what YouTube will do if you let it. And that's what Facebook will do if you let it. It's no different. The potential danger is no different than a bottle of alcohol or smokes or cigarettes or anything like that. Um, But because I had the Christian influence, I was sick of trying to hide it. So I thought, well, if I've got to listen to something, I'll listen to some preaching. And I think that's the roughest preaching I've ever listened to. Um, Or it was at the time. I went back and listened to it and the preacher was relaxed. He He laughed a couple of times. He was relaxed and friendly. But when I was lost, it was hellfire brimstone preaching, uh, rougher than anything I've heard here. 
And the preacher does actually preach like that sometimes. But the reason it's rough on you is not because he's up there yelling. It's because you're not right with God. And I, or in my case, I wasn't right with God. And you know, if the preaching of God's word bugs you, yeah. it's not because the preacher hates you. Yeah. It's because God is trying to get you to realize what you're doing is not right. Yeah. God is trying to call you to him. Draw, the song yeah. says, draw me nearer. When we sing, draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord. Do we really want it? If you don't want it, stop singing it. Stop lying to God. When you sing the hymns, who are you singing them to? To God. You sing the words, uh, draw, um, consecrate me now to thy service, Lord. Do you really mean it? If you don't mean it, why are you saying it? You're singing that hymn to God. Why don't you, you know, if, if you mean it, sing it. If you don't mean it, quit lying to God. You know, because that's who you're lying to. God killed Ananias and Sapphira for that. They lied to God and God killed them. You know, that's kind of seriousness of this kind of thing. You know, you, you, do you mean you're, you know, we sing the hymns. There's a lot of truth in the hymns. There's a song that says, nothing between my soul and the Saviour. You're going to sing that hymn? Is there nothing between you and the Saviour? You know, it is, your, is what we say reality? Is it reality when nobody else is around? You know, the night... Um, so I listened to this preaching, and I didn't get saved straight away listening to the preaching. It was late at night. I had worked 11 or 12 hours that day. I had, I think I did 13 hours the next day or something close on that. Um, and it was 11 o'clock at night, and I said, well, I need to get ready for bed. You know, I got work, and I used that as an excuse. I got up and got ready for bed. And by the time I got done doing that, God, I said, well, I need to do this, but I'll deal with it tomorrow. And God brought the verse back to mind. I think it's Proverbs 27, no, 27 verse 1. Try that. Yeah. Boast thyself not of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what the day may bring forth. And God said that, you know, I, I must have, maybe I, God said he'll bring things to remembrance. So I assume I read it at some point. I had a King James Bible and I read it, but that's not what saved me. You know, you're coming, you're really reading this book is not what saves you. Yes, it is right. Yeah. It's good to read this book, but it's yeah. not what saves you. Yeah. When God said that, you know, it's 11 o'clock at night, you're tired, you're full of worldly trash, and God says, you don't, you're not promised tomorrow. And you kind of start thinking, well, maybe I'm going to die tonight. <laughs> and maybe I would have, I don't know. I'm, I'm glad to still be alive most of the time. <laughs> um, but I went through, you know, so I said, all right, I'll deal with it. And I honestly, I honestly said, you know, as long as nobody is in the bedroom, I shared a room with Tim and I stepped out the bathroom and Tim was in the living room talking with mum and dad. I have no idea what about. I went through and I knelt down. And when I got saved, my prayer, I said to God, God, I deserve hell. Because that's the reality. If you don't realize you deserve hell, why do you need saving? Mm, I said to God, I, if you gave me what you, I deserve... Uh, you, you'd send me to hell. But then I turned around and I said to God, but you said in your word that you would have mercy on us if we would ask you. Yes. Not based on what I did, but if you, if you would, you'd have mercy if we'd ask you. So I said, Lord, I'm asking you to have mercy on me by the blood of Christ shed on the cross. By the blood of Christ shed on the cross, save me. 
and the difference. You know, the Bible talks about having made peace with God. It's uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I can't, I can't describe the peace. It, the difference it made. And it, wasn't, it didn't matter anymore. And I, whenever I think back... After I prayed that, I, you know, I'd been trying to live a Christian for, I was 18 then. The first time God ever spoke to me about getting saved, well, I was 12. And then somewhere in between 13, 14 or 15, there was a second chance given. And both times I rejected it. And the third time, you know, sick of, sick of living, basically. The duplicitous life, living two different lives. Uh, you know, I said, I, you know, I got saved, I, I asked God to save me, like pretty well exactly what I just said then. But I also said to God that just after that, you know, I've been trying to live a Christian life. And I've been failing and I can't do it. And I still can't do it except your grace work in me. And to me, when I think back to that time, what I see is a flagpole with a white ensign on it. The white ensign is the sign of surrender. I'm not my own. You know, that verse uh, it says, you're not your own, for you're bought with a price. It's the truth. You're not your own. That's true, yeah. why, why do we go around and say, well, I can do this. I, I get to do this, or I can do this. You're not your own, and I'm not my own. Yeah. And it's not, you know, that I... I, I sin now as bad as I did then and it feels worse because I'm saved. You know, it's worse for me now to sin. And it's not that um, I don't sin, but if you go to Romans chapter 7, my view of my life has changed because of what God did. Amen. If we go to Romans chapter 7, verse 15, start there. It says, for the things... Which I do, I allow not, for that, for what I would, that do I not, but what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent to the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me, for I know that, that for, for I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me, but to, how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that do I. If now, I, now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that, in my, that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another uh, law in my members, warring against the law, the law of my mind, bringing me into the captivity of the law of sin which is in my members, and we'll read 24 in a minute, but that is how I, you know, you, Paul wasn't writing that to say, well, see, I've got a flesh nature, and so I'm just going to lie down, you know, and not fight my flesh nature, so, and then I'll just blame it on my flesh. It wasn't me, it was my flesh. You know, and he's not using that as an excuse. Verse 24 says, oh, wretched man that I am. That's his view on his sin. He didn't say, oh, well, I, I sinned. God will forgive me. He said, no, no, I'm wretched. Paul described himself as chief of sinners. That's 
you know, after he got saved, that was his view on his sin. But where are we? You know, if this is what, you know, we, we often look up to Paul as one of the greatest uh, Christians in, in the New Testament. And he wrote most of the New Testament. And that's his view on himself. We're, if we say he's one of the best Christians, where are we? We're not better than him, for sure. You know, we're, we're further down the scale. If you'd be honest with yourself, you, you know... And if I'm honest with myself, I'm a long way from where I'd like to be. You know, um, but it's not um, about so much, you know, uh, what we do. You know, we need to be light, but it's God's grace in us. And being, as uh, Pastor John was preaching, yielded, would you give it up for God? What, what, would you, what would you say, God said, right, give this? You say, oh, no, uh, yep, yep, God can have that. And so God says, give me this. And you say, oh, yeah. And God says, give me this. And you say, ah, all right. And God says, give me this. Ah, oh, that's, yeah, no, that's too far, sorry. Uh, I can't give that up, sorry. What's too far? He owns you. Mm, right. Abraham was asked for his son. And he didn't hold him back. He was going to. But God gave him his son back. Now if you, what you put on the altar, God, you know, it's not to say you put something on the altar, sacrifice it, give it up, that God will necessarily restore it to you. But if you will put it on the altar, there's stuff God does give back. The Levites, when the Levites burnt the offerings, there was portions of the meat that were given to the Levites. But they had to be in service. They had to be there. They had to put that whole animal there. Otherwise they got none of it. If you won't, you know, if you won't give to God all, God won't get, there's nothing for, you know, you're holding back on God like Ananias and Sapphira. Um, and God, you know, God's willing to give to you. But it starts... In some, you know, it's the grace of God that leads thee to repentance, and it's God does a work in you. But are you willing to let God work in you? And would you surrender all? You know, we, like I said before, we sing the songs. Do we mean them? And the song says, "I surrender all." If you if you don't mean the song, don't sing it. Quit lying to God. Do you really surrender all? Uh, the other one is, "You're all on the altar of sacrifice laid." Do you mean it? If you don't, stop lying to God. Get serious. Let's get serious in our Christian walk. You know, if, we, if we're going to say we're Bible-believing Christians, this is the, uh, we have the, almost a mantra, that the Bible is the final authority on matters of faith and practice. Is it really? You know, it might be for the church. And the church, you know, we well, you know, and uh, and we say, well, the church I go to, that's the, that's you know, the matters of faith and practice. The Bible is the answer. Is it the answer in your life? Because that's what matters. You're not gonna. It's not God's not. Pastor was preaching this morning. You're not gonna stand up before God and God say, right, this church. When God says you, God is going to judge individuals. 
not the church. Now, churches are judged. If you read through the book of uh, the first couple of chapters of Revelation. But that's not the judgment seat of Christ. God has said that you're gonna, we, we all will appear before the judgment seat. And what are we going to stand there and say, well, God, I lied my whole life. I went to church and lied. And I pretended because it looked good to Dad. It looked good to Mum. It looked good to the preacher. Uh, it looked good to so and brother so-and-so. Or they'll be genuine. If we go to Matthew chapter 6 again. Um, verse 23 says, But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? What do people see in us? In all reality, what, what do the lost see in us? What do the uh, church see in us? It is important, but most important, what does God see in us? If God were to be here, like Pastor was saying, you know, uh, you put your hand up, say, I'm saved. If Christ was here, would he say you're saved? If you say, well, I don't do X, Y, Z, and I, I am faithful, uh, or whatever, and you are, you come to church, you know, and God, and God was to be here. If Christ stood here, and would Christ say, yeah, from the intent of the heart, the Bible says, God looketh on the thoughts and intents of the heart. Would he say, yes, he, he is a Christian, he's genuine, he's the real thing. That's what uh, Christ is after. Um, the uh, saying, the real McCoy. There's a drink that, and the saying means the real deal, the real thing. It's not a fake. Is our Christianity fake, or is it real? We, uh, Matthew, and we're 6, 20, verse 24. No man can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and the mammon. And when I was lost, I was trying to serve God and the mammon. You know where it led me to? I was, like I said, I was going to leave home. I was basically going to run away from home because I didn't like mum and dad's stand. And by the way, mum and dad's stand is not nearly what my stand is now because of what God has done in me. I, you know, the, I get called old-fashioned here. By, I've been called in this church old-fashioned. Old-fashioned is Bible-fashioned. If you, if you look at the way the old people were and the, the reason why, why did so-and-so dress like this? It's because the Bible said it. You can go through the Bible and find why they did everything like they did. Why is our court system like it is? Because the Bible said it. They took the principles of the Bible and applied it to life. Um, so I think old fashioned is a compliment. <laughs> but, um, you know, I w we went up there north one time, and this fella comes up to us. We were um, the evening do uh, interchurch thing out in the park for Christmas cows during COVID so everybody we met in the park um, and there's this fellow from mum and dad's church comes up and goes to me and Tim are you guys the King James fanatics then? That's a way to start a conversation yeah. <laughs> try that for a conversation started next time <laughs> you want to strike up a conversation? Try that um and he said, you know, I used to read the King James Version, and don't be angry at me, but I read the New King James Version now. Well, what does my opinion mean to anything? 
You're not standing before me at judgment day and you're not going to be judged according to what I think. And you ought to be glad too, amen? <laughs> um, the Bible says you have one that judges you, even my word. Even the word which I have spoken to you. And that's the Bible. You're going to stand before God and the book will be opened, this book, and you'll be judged according to this. Not according to the preacher, not according to... Uh, you know, the internet or you know the, the fellow you follow on the internet your friend's not going to be the one judging you it's going to be the word of God and if that's the end of the road why not follow the word of God because that makes sense right mm, um, if we go to Joshua chapter 24 verse 14 and 15 Joshua 24 Familiar text. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt. And by the, like I said before, gods don't you know, have to be a stone like the Buddhists or that rock that the Muslims have in Mecca. It can be your, your false version of God that you have carved out in your mind. And he says, put it away. Yeah. It says, and if it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, choose ye this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers, which your fathers served, that are on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But if you're going to read that and you, know, you write it on your wall, you know, so many people write it as a favorite verse, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Are you really? Joshua's point there was, are you worshipping false gods, whether the gods before the flood, the gods that in whose land you dwell, and I say the gods of our own mind and our own carving out of our, the Bible says, no scripture is of private interpretation, yet we do it. We like to say, well, this is, I believe this part of the Bible, but we ignore the other part. You know, it's, um, most of the, the Bible says rightly divide the word of truth. And I think it was Charles Spurgeon said one time, it's like a railroad track. There is, you keep this right line, this rail where it's supposed to be, and this rail where it's supposed to be, and the train will run. You take one away, you've lost the train. You take the other away, you've lost the train. For instance, and I'm not going to go into it, but there is the free will of man in the Bible. But there is also the sovereignty of God. You keep them where they're supposed to be in the train or run. You remove one, and you're lost. You've lost the train. You remove the other, you've lost the train. It's no different. If you go extreme on one and ignore the other, you're no better than the one who ignores what you believe and, and, and it believes what you don't believe. Because you've left one or the other. You haven't rightly divided the word of truth. And I'll preach all night on that, but uh, I'd better get going. Our last verse for tonight, we're there, I don't know if I should say already, I don't know what the time is. Uh, second, uh, first Kings chapter 18. Chapter 18. In verse 21. This is Elijah speaking to the people of Israel. There's an Elijah came unto all the people and said... How long holds you between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. Makes sense. If God's God, do what he says. Amen. Amen. But if Baal, then follow him. 
And the people answered him, not a word. He said, look, if, if God is God, quit worshipping Baal. Quit worshipping the world. Quit, you know, lying. Quit making pretend to, you know, they, they would, um, if you read in um, Jeremiah, I think it's chapter 7, they talk about the men who would go up and go to the house of the Lord and say, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. I think it's in uh, Jeremiah 7. It says, trust ye not, um, Jeremiah chapter 7, verse, uh, start verse 3, and, say, and the Bible says, thus saith the Lord of hosts. This is God speaking, so if God's speaking, we're listening, right? Amen. The Bible says, The God of Israel, amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Trust ye not in lying words, saying, The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. They said, I go to church. I'm fine. Leave me alone. It says, verse 5, If ye thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if ye execute, if ye thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if ye oppress not the stranger and the fatherless and the widow, and shed not innocent blood in this place, neither walk after the gods, after other gods to your own hurt, then I will cause you to dwell in this place, in the land that I get, the land, in the land that I gave to your fathers, forever and ever. But behold, ye trust in lying words that cannot profit. Will ye steal and murder and commit adultery and swear falsely? And burn incense unto Baal, and walk after other gods whom ye know not, and come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We are delivered to do all these abominations. They were worshipping every god under the sun, and then they came to church and said, Well, it's what everybody else is doing. But, you know, it's just what's done. You know, preacher, you just. Stop being so down the mouth about the Bible. So down the mouth about this amending your ways business. We go to church. But it's not about going to church. It's about where your heart is with God. Are you right with God? And this is the word sincere. You can be sincerely wrong. The Muslims dying die for their faith. They're sincere. They're more sincere with us. Where's, you know, where's the last Christian in New Zealand that was martyred? hundred years ago? More? Martyred for the faith? You know, we don't die for our faith. Muslims do. Muslims are more sincere about their faith than we are of ours. And we serve the living God. At least that's what we claim. And they, for a lie, will go and blow themselves up. They, they for the deception of the devil, will blow themselves up. And, and where are we? We're not even as dedicated to God as the heathen are. To their false imaginations. And we say, well, sister so-and-so does it, brother so-and-so does it, so it's all right for me. And we trust in lying words. It's a lie to say that God won't judge me because so-and-so is not doing it, or so-and-so is doing it, so I can do it. God's not going to say, well, all right, because you are following so-and-so, I'll let you off. He's going to judge in righteousness according to his word, not our opinion of it. We go back to, I know I said last verse, but uh, 1 Kings uh, chapter 20, 18. 
Um, God, uh, Elijah there said, If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. Um, if we say God, you know, we say we're a Christian, we say God's our saviour, why, why do we do the things of the world? Why are we so entranced by the world? If we say God is, that the God of this Bible is our God, then let us serve Him. But God won't take half-hearted. He doesn't take lukewarm. He'll spew thee out of His mouth, He says. The Bible says, whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. That means to put your whole effort into it. So if we're going to say that God is our God, let's do it the way God said to do it. Because God's our God, right? So we're doing it the way He said to do it. And He said to do it wholeheartedly. Why? Not because of those around you, but because of God. Because God has asked you to do it. The song says, uh, Jesus paid it all. The next line is, all to Him I owe. Again, do you mean it? Why are you saying it if you don't mean it? You know, if we really, you know, if you stop and think about it, we do owe him everything. If you're saved, you owe him everything. He saved you an eternity of torment and of hell and a lake of fire. If you talk, if you read in some parts of the scripture, it talks about when the righteous go up to Jerusalem, that you'll see the bones of the men who who rejected God. You know, a preacher said one time, you know, if it's dark out there currently. You can't, if it's dark, you can't see the people in the dark. And the Bible describes hell as out of darkness. But when you're in the light, people can see you. You know, if somebody was out there in the dark, had a gun, the preacher said, you know, if somebody had a gun to someone's head right out in the car park out there in the dark, you couldn't see him. But the fellow with a gun to his head can see us in here in the light. People in hell, we won't be able to see necessarily, but they'll see the light. And they'll see what we, we, you know, they'll see what it was supposed to be. And they'll say, why? Why, you know, at Judgment Day, why didn't you tell me? You didn't even live. You know, you were saved, you didn't even live like a Christian. You didn't even show me by your actions. You know, we, it's not enough to just have actions. You need, you know, you need to live a clean life, have a good testimony, but you also need to confront them. But most of the time we don't even live right. And because we don't live right... We don't have the uh, Spirit of God in us to go and speak to them. And so, you, you know, you're, we are the biggest hindrance. Christian people, as, you know, half-hearted Christians. I'm not pointing fingers at anyone, I'm as bad as anyone else. But half-hearted Christians are the biggest reason this world is going to hell. You know, we've got, you know the Bible talks about um, that when the people would forsake God, he would give... A woman to rule over them and children be their oppressors. Who's running this country? Sorry, but that's what the Bible said. Who's marching in the streets? You know, in all the cities of the world. It's the young people. The children are in control. They're, they're oppressing the parents and things through their behaviour out in the world in general. Uh, you talked about a bent about some of his classrooms that he's taught in. And you'll have nightmares for weeks. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the children oppress people. And whether you like it or not, Jacinda is a woman and she's in control. And you look at what God said about that. It's because 
We've abandoned the word of God. And, you know, he says, um, if my people, it's all conditionable, conditioned, every, all the blessing and the safety and protection of a land, and the Bible talks you salt of the earth. Salt preserves stuff. It stops it from going off. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to stop this world from receiving the wrath of God, from going off. But where are we? The world has gone off. And, you know, the Bible says it's going to wax worse and worse, but that's not an excuse for us to sit around and do nothing and say, oh, well, the world's going to hell in a handbasket anyway. The world's going to wax worse and worse, so I'm just going to go off and, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to do what the world's going to do. You can't just let the world go and do what it's going to do because the world's going to wax worse and worse. Our job, you know, Pastor taught, uh, was talking about it just before, is to, you know, stand. Having done all to stand, stand with you, having your loins girt about with truth. Having on the breastplate of righteousness. You read through that, that passage, Ephesians chapter 6, it also appears in uh, Isaiah chapter 59. talks about the breastplate of righteousness there as well, and the helmet of hope of salvation. Those are military weapons. It says to fight. But you can't fight if you're running or if you're half-armoured. You just get shot down. You become a casualty and a hindrance to others. And, you know, because you take, if we get injured, somebody's got to look after us. This is the rule of warfare. Somebody, well, unless you're just going to kill your own wounded. And, but um, you know, someone has to take care of you. If you're not wearing your armour, you take someone else out to fight too. It's not, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't affect anything. Is what, you know, you read the story of Achan. Achan thought it's not going to affect anyone. 36 men died. 36 men, you know, 36 families worth of children grew up without dad. 36 wives, husbandless, because one man thought it was okay. Thought he could play around. 3,000? Um, you know, our, you know, what we think is petty affects the whole church. You know, we think uh, it doesn't matter if I watch this, but it does, yeah. because God is over the church, and God's yeah. going to deal with you, and the, God's going to deal with individuals. But it's said, and it's true. Strong churches are built by strong families. And strong families are built by strong parents in the family and strong individuals in the family. So if you want a strong church, you need strong families and you need strong individuals. Does it mean it starts with us? As on an individual level, like uh, they're saying, if you're down in Hamilton, it doesn't start with the church getting right. It starts with us getting right as individuals. And when we get right with God, God will work. Um, you know, we need to stop playing around with God. You know, the Bible says God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. If we sow half-heartedly, we'll reap half-heartedly. All right, I've been told time, so, and I'm done now anyway. But, you know, we, it's not about the man beside us, the lady beside us. It's about what God sees. Are we right in the eyes of God? Or is it just a show? Let's pray. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for uh, this evening, for the message. Lord, we pray, Lord, that help uh, your brethren, Lord. I don't, I don't mean to be hard and knock on people, but, uh, Lord, it's the word you've given for us tonight. 
And Lord, I know at times I struggle. And Lord, I pray you'd help us, Lord, to live lives that are honest and genuine in your eyes, Lord. Lord, that we may affect, Lord, our generation and our nation and, Lord, the world. For Jesus Christ's sake, Lord, we ask for a revival, Lord, in these last days before your return. We ask this in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Bow your hands, closing your eyes, let's continue and see what the Lord has spoken to you tonight. It's very important that we respond. If the Lord is speaking to you and pointing some whatever part 